I know in uh, the small group I was in this morning, we talked from Luke chapter 12, talking about worry and how that is not God's intention for us and how trusting him is. And um, I was reminded that there are times that I am prone to take up worry if I'm not careful. Perhaps you are as well. God is enough. He knows what we need, and he can take care of us. All right, let's move on to big church now, right? Uh, Luke chapter 4. Why don't you turn with me? Luke chapter 4. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. If you're using that pew Bible in front of you, you can go to page 1184, 1184 in the pew Bible. In just a few minutes, we're going to stand and read from Luke chapter 4. We'll read verses 31 to 44. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, actually, based on statistics, I do know about you. you. I watched the Super Bowl last Sunday night. Did you see where, statistically speaking, it was the most watched TV event ever? And the Chiefs won. But more than that, it was a good game. And remember I said I wanted the Chiefs to win, but I wanted a good game even more than that. But I told you it was the most watched. But I also saw bits and pieces of the parade. Remember we talked about how there was going to be a parade? And there was. And sadly, we all know what happened at that parade. 22, I think it's 23 now, people were shot. Best I can tell, one has uh, passed. This was a celebration of the victory of a football game. Who does things like this? When you stop for just a second and realize, I was just, I was shocked that somebody would take a celebration and then turn it into something evil like this. And sadly, this event is not the only one that we've heard about recently. Evil seems to be popping up everywhere. You can't win something without facing it. There's other challenges. And so we, we know this. And church, I was just reminded as I was studying what we're going to talk about this morning, I was just reminded that this, these things that happen are just evidences of the cosmic, supernatural, spiritual battle that we are in every single day. Let me ask you, have you been spiritually challenged this week? Satan is about. His desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. We are part of, daily, a supernatural battle. But church, just in case you haven't read the rest of the book, we win. We win. Jesus has already assured the victory. We are playing out these days. And for some reason, these evil things continue to happen, but that's just part of the spiritual battle between now and that day. But Jesus wins because Jesus has, and we're going to see it again in this scripture today, Jesus has all the power and Jesus has all the authority. It was given to him by God the Father as he came and lived and died and was resurrected on the third day, and he never yielded that power and authority. And now he stands at the right hand, interceding for the Father for us. And that's the backdrop of which I want us to stand together and read from Luke chapter 4. I'm going to pick up in verse 31. 
I'm going to read all the way through the end of the chapter, which is verse 44. Luke chapter 4, picking up in verse 31, says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him into their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is. For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went into every place in the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent and he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to walk through this as the Lord has, us, has something to teach us. And it's an interesting thing is I have learned individually as I've studied and prepared God's word that God might have this message for me to, talk, to, to teach me something specific about him, but he might use the exact same message to hit you right where you are and speak what you need. And so I want each of us to lean into God's word this morning because he has something for every single one of us. Picking up at verse 31, again, uh, we're hitting it another week. The word then, just as a reminder, prior to verse 31, that's where then has happened. Jesus has just been rejected by his hometown. Remember we talked about that last week. Jesus has been threatened by his hometown. They said that they moved him out of town forcefully, took him to the edge of the cliff, and it was their desire to throw him over and to kill him. That's how frustrated they were when they heard the truth that he shared. And then verse 30 from last week said that Jesus went his way. Now we know in verse 31, and what we're talking about today all happens on a day. It says here that Jesus went on his way and it keeps on going. And then at the end, we end the day and pick up the next day. So we're in a one consistent time frame. So we're getting a peek into the life of Jesus' ministry for a day as we look at this. Verse 31 says that Jesus went to Capernaum. Capernaum was also in Galilee. And because Nazareth rejected him, Scripture would teach us that Capernaum sort of became the central location of which Jesus' ministry would begin to 
operate out of moving forward. And verse 31 says that he was teaching them on the Sabbaths. Did you see that? Sabbaths with an S on the end? That means it's multiple Sabbaths. That means that Jesus was on a bit of a teaching regular thing there in Capernaum, that this was a regular meeting of people being taught the word and the gospel by Jesus. Because we talked last week about what Jesus would share with them for the last couple of weeks. And so we know that when Jesus is teaching, he's teaching about the gospel, who he is and what that means to us individually. And he's teaching them. Said being taught the word and the gospel by Jesus. And then the most natural outcome occurred. Look at verse 32. After hearing Jesus teach for multiple weeks about who he was, the gospel, and the word of God, Verse 32 says, they were astonished. Astonished could be defined as great surprise, amazed, impressed. What Jesus was teaching, the word and the gospel, was impacting their minds, their hearts favorably. They go on in verse 32, they were astonished for his word was with authority. They were not just astonished, impressed, amazed, surprised at what he was saying because they were learning new things, but they also recognized that the authority of which he spoke, these things that they were astonished about, was very clear. And when you begin to recognize those words that astonish you, and then you begin to give them authority in your life, that means that those words that Jesus was teaching started impacting their lives, started changing who they were. And isn't that the reason Jesus came? He came to preach the gospel. He came to talk of sin. He came so that we would repent. He came so that we could be made right with God through faith in him. He came teaching these things. This authority was powerful. It's powerful because they heard it. They were astonished by it. They called it authoritative, which means they began to allow it to change their lives. So here's a question for us as the church today, many centuries later. Are you astonished by what you read in the Word of God? Or a second question, are you astonished by what God's Word seeks to teach in your life? Do you see it as authoritative? Do you allow it to impact your life in a great way? In real way. You know, and I am becoming more and more enamored is not the right word, but it's the word that came to me in this moment. But I am beginning to understand and be more and more impressed, more and more astonished by God's word every week that I'm in it. Wednesday nights, as I've shared with you, we are coming through the book of Psalms. Now, we're only a year and a half into it because we're on Psalm, we just did Psalm 56. And you're going, well, it's too late for me to join on Wednesday. No, we got nearly 100 psalms left to go. And we'd love to include you. Sometime in the next two and a half to three years, we're going to complete it. 
You know, but the interesting thing is when I first taught on a psalm, I didn't plan on teaching all 150 of them. But we taught it, and we all go, wow. And then we say, I said, well, God, you got something good there. Let's do number two and three. Church, let me tell you that what we're finding on Wednesday nights, or at least what I'm finding, those that are here, I think they are too, but uh, God is amazing us with how perfect his word is and how he desires that word to be used in our lives to bring about change for our benefit, for his glory, and our eternal difference. Do you allow the word of God to impact your life? Is it the authority of God when you open it and read it? You know, we, we've become so casual with our Bibles. I can go in my office and I can probably lay my hand on because I, I keep giveaway Bibles and I keep study Bibles and I keep old Bibles and I've got my mom's Bible and I've got my grandfather's Bible and I've got all of these things. You know, if we're not careful, we'll think that they are just leather-bound, hard-bound books that we read every now and then. Church, can I tell you that Jesus is reaffirming the truth to us that his word is authoritative and powerful and should be what we allow to use to be the foundation of how we live our lives. And is your life powerfully changed as you allow this authority to come into your life? Verse 33. Now, church, it gets really good right here because I just really want to point out a few things. It says, now in the synagogue, there was a man. So, you know, it talked about Jesus had been going in for many Sabbaths. Well, this was a day where Jesus had gone in and it was a opportunity. And so one of the things I want to clarify is that they are in church. Everything that we're getting ready to talk about for the next few verses is happening in church as if it could be happening right now at First Baptist Church. It's in a service. It says, now in the synagogue, in the church, goes verse 33, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. This man was not living a godly life because he was allowed, that spirit was consuming him and leading him to live a life. This man was not free. It didn't say that he welcomed him in. This man was being oppressed by this spirit. So this man's life was not being lived godly, nor was this man's life being lived free. Recall what Jesus said. If you've got your scripture open, just flip back to the beginning of chapter 4 of, of Luke. Verses 18 and 19. This is why Jesus said he came, quoting from Isaiah Chapter 61, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to, to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. So let's just make sure we catch up to what I'm. We're having church service, and then all of a sudden... A man oppressed by an evil, ungodly spirit makes himself known in the room, in church. 
made me ask myself, why would he come there? Why would he come to church? And it, it has to be something where we have to reasonably look at this. And here's what I wrote down in my notes. Perhaps he came because somebody invited him. It's possible, right? Church, have you ever invited anybody to church? Now listen, I remember we used to have friend day here. You could get your friend to come. We'd feed them lunch. And then later we'd take them a pie. Some of you may have been a friend at friend day. We used to have pack-a-pew night for revival services. I don't know that the church really invites people anymore. But I can tell you that this man is here, and one of the very reasonable purposes of why he's there is it could be that somebody invited him. Now, maybe you have been invited to be here. Maybe you call First Baptist home, but you didn't until somebody invited you, and then you came, and then you heard God's word, and you decided this is where God wanted to work in and through your life, and you decided to be here, and you are so thankful for that friend. Church, can I just, we don't want to go that direction too far, but there are room, there's room in this service for your friend. Ask God who he'd want you to invite. But perhaps he was invited. Perhaps, perhaps he's here because he's heard all about what Jesus had done. Remember, it's going out everywhere about how Jesus is teaching and, and touching and changing, and he's just curious. Maybe you're here today because you're just curious. And then I thought of this one last reason, and I don't know that this is the last reason. It's just the ones I came up with. Perhaps, perhaps this man, oppressed by this evil spirit, thought that maybe, perhaps, Jesus could help him. Didn't get invited. Isn't curious. He's desperate. This man was not free in any way. And he came to This man was clearly in a spiritual battle. Scripture teaches us that the evil demonic influence was on his life and that that evil demonic influence that was upon his life was taking abode in this precious creation of God called a man. We're not given his name, but he has a name and he has a family. It's not hard for us to see that. Ephesians 6.12 says this, 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Church, evil reigns in this world, Scripture says, for a time. Church, Satan will pull out all the stops to keep people from coming to know Jesus. This man was in the middle of perhaps the battle for his own life. And it just blows me away. He came to church. And the only reason that this holds water to me as I go back through the reasons is that he hoped Jesus could help. I want to go two ways for just a second on this topic. Church, I want to speak to the church for just a second. Church, we must be a church. Church, group of people. We must be a church, a location where a group of people meet that opens its doors to love and minister to the broken, to the captive, and to the oppressed. The world that does not know Jesus needs to know that First Baptist Church is a safe place where they can come to have hope, to hear the truth, to meet Jesus. Church, if we are not open to that being one of the foundations upon why we even exist, I was in a... Uh, Sunday school meeting. We had one a couple weeks ago. We were early, early planning on VBS. And the first question I asked, because, you know, we've gone through a lot of changes in the church. And so I'm trying to engage all of our children's VBS volunteers in light of this being our first VBS since Missy died. And I said, well, the first thing we need to do is decide, do we want to have vacation Bible school. One precious lady whom I love. I wasn't trying not to have it. I'm just trying to motivate people to say, do, first of all, do we want to do this? Because see, if you make a decision you want to do this, then doing it's easy once you decide you want to do it. And this one woman said, she said, I believe if we're not open to doing vacation Bible school, we probably just need to close the doors of the church. And we get that because we're going, man, there's going to be that week in June that I'm just going to steer clear of this building because the pastor's going to pray that we get overrun with kids. And everybody knows that if there is anybody demon-possessed in the world, it is our kids. <laughs> but church, I want us to step back. That's in June. We need to make a decision. Is this going to be the kind of church we're going to be as it relates to the hurting, the oppressed, the lost in our community. Can they come to First Baptist and know they will hear the truth, be loved, and meet Jesus? So let's go the other way. Because we've got people online, we've got people that are going to watch this three months from now. We've got people in the room that I haven't met yet. We've got people that 
I have met yet that may not actually know Jesus yet. So I'm not speaking to the church. I'm speaking to the lost. Perhaps you're here today and you feel that you are in the fight of your life. And that your hope is fading. And you need help. You're not even sure why you're here today. Can I tell you? Our God is certain why you're here today. He wants you to know the truth. So that you can be set free in Jesus because whom Jesus sets free is free indeed. And I want to tell you, I want to be the first person to tell you, if I haven't already said this, I am glad you are here. Verse 33, we pick back up and it says that, and it says, and he cried out. Church, we need to know, when you go back and you read grammatically what happens here, that this is the unclean spirit crying out. This is that spirit that's inhabiting this man. And Jeff, you're freaking me out, you're saying. This is the spirit, unclean spirit, that's inhabiting, oppressing this man that Scripture says in verse 33 is crying out. Verse 34, look what that spirit says. I know who you are. You're Jesus of Nazareth. You're the Holy One of God. Church, every place, if, you, if we search the New Testament over in Jesus' ministry, every place Jesus went and every place he came in contact with someone that had an evil spirit, that evil spirit knew who Jesus was. That is proof I don't know what number you want to use that the gospel is real, that Jesus is alive, victory has been gained, and Satan only has rule right now in this world because God has granted him a moment, but not a victory. Isn't it amazing? The evil spirits of this world, they know who Jesus is, but yet some of us choose not to believe who Jesus is. But they know. To me, that is awesome because they know who Jesus is. That's a validation of who Jesus is. They say in verse 41 of today's scripture, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. This battle, this individual battle between this man and that spirit inhabiting him was about to end. And it's going to end the same way every spiritual battle in that time and in this time and the one that you're fighting now or the one that you'll be fighting soon. It's going to end the only way any spiritual battle ever ends through the power and the authority of Jesus. Verse 35, Jesus says, be quiet. Verse 41, Jesus didn't allow him to speak. And I'm thinking, why does Jesus keep shutting down these evil spirits from telling everybody who he is? Now, I don't know that this theologically 
pristine or accurate, but it's, it's Jeffology anyway. I believe, I want to make sure I read what I, I believe Jesus desires only those who have yielded and believe in him by faith to share the authority that he has as a witness. We, those who know Jesus as Savior, we are called to tell the whole world, He is Christ. He is the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He is the Helper. You could come to Him. But in this world, so many times the church is quiet. And the evil is going, you are God, you are God. Church, we need to take back our responsibility that Jesus has granted to us and share more and more about Jesus. Verse 35, Jesus says, be quiet. He calls him to come out. Come out of him. Verse 35, it came out. I just want to remind us as we read Scripture, Satan and his minions have to, have to yield to the authority of Jesus. Verse 36, they were amazed. The people who were in church that day witnessed what this happened. They recognized both the power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus. And verse 37 says that this news... Can you just imagine? Man, let me tell you what happened in my church today. And verse 37 says that that news spread widely. Look at what Scripture says. Into every place in the surrounding area. So let's just stop for just a second. You might be asking yourself, can people really be impacted by spirits? Can an evil spirit actually impact a person can a person be inhabited by a spirit? Well, I think Scripture tells us both right here and in other places before here and in other places after here that it is absolutely something that can happen. People in a spiritual battle between God and evil will be impacted. But I, this is my selling point. Or can someone be inhabited by an evil spirit? When I prayed to receive Jesus at the age of 11, Scripture teaches that my God, through His Son Jesus, saved me, and as a deposit, as a guarantee, as a I'm with you forever, gave me full possession of the Holy Spirit of God. And church, if we are going to, as Christians, believe that a person can be inhabited by the Holy Spirit of God, we must recognize that people that are not inhabited by the Holy Spirit of God can be inhabited by evil spirits. But there's a couple of caveats I want to point out real clearly. If you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit's living in you. 1 Corinthians 3.16, you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. 1 John 4.4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. 
Now, this one launched me off to think, too. Greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. What that scripture is saying is the Holy Spirit of God, when you come to know Christ, resides in you. You don't ever have to worry about any other spirit residing in you as a child of God because you are full, occupied eternally by the Holy Spirit. But that spirit, but it did say as Christians that we can be buffeted by Satan and his evil spirits. Greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world. So when we're walking around, we're going to fight these battles. That's what we're told. But when the Holy Spirit enters a person, he will never leave that person. Church, we can be tempted, buffeted, but only from the outside. Then now let's go back the other way. Until someone is sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, meaning until they come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, they can be under the influence of evil. And that is one of the reasons we must keep our doors open. So, Jeff, we're going we're gonna to start dabbling in that. No, we're not dabbling in that. We have been bought and sold into yielding our lives to Christ, to be committed to sharing the testimony of Jesus so that other people can come to know him. Church, we're not going to dabble. Let's commit. Let's really commit that we know that Jesus is king. He has all authority and power. We're going to let him work. Let's keep on going, though. And you're going, Jeff, you're almost done. I am. I'm, I've got this page and, and part of that page. That's it. Verse 38. Jesus leaves, and he goes to Peter's house. That's Peter the disciple. And at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law is there, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick, and Scripture says that she's really sick because in those days... The kind of fever you had determined if you were easy to take care of, hard to take care of, or really in trouble. And high fever, based upon what I can read, says that she was really sick. Verse 38, a beautiful thing happened. They, and I don't know who they is, but it's somebody that's following Jesus. They made requests of Jesus concerning her. You know what they did? They said, Jesus, Peter's mom, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Lord, can you, can you do something? Every Wednesday night, we gather here. Now, I know we've got other Bible studies going, and so if you're in another Bible study on a Wednesday night or if you're in the youth on a Wednesday night or if children and all that stuff, just be where you are. But on Wednesday nights, we also have a prayer meeting right here, and we spend at least half of that hour talking about adding people to and praying for people who have needs, some physical and some spiritual. I just think that's beautiful when somebody says, hey, Jeff, can we add such and such to the prayer list? The answer is absolutely. I would love the church to be speaking to Jesus concerning you. That's what happens right here in Peter's house about his mother-in-law. Verse 39, Jesus rebuked the fever. She arose and served them. Now, isn't it amazing? 
When Jesus brings healing, it's immediate and it's full. She got right up. She goes, I feel fine. When's the last time you were down with a fever and it didn't take you three or four days just to get your legs underneath you? Zeke didn't talk to me until Tuesday or Wednesday. He was sick with the flu last weekend. We get buckled down. No, when Jesus stepped in, he said, you be gone, you be good. She got up and she said, I'll make supper. Church, when Jesus does something, he doesn't do it halfway. We have seen, just in this scripture, the power and the authority that Jesus has over evil spirits and all spiritual matters. And now Jesus is showing his followers that he has power and authority over all physical needs. And I could tell you, I could take you to Mark 4 where he calmed the sea. And I could say, listen, he takes care of all of, you know, uh, Mother Nature needs. I mean, you know, God's got it all covered through his son, Jesus. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, remember, we're still on a day here. When the sun was setting. People who were facing spiritual and physical needs were brought to Jesus. That's what verse 40 says. Catch this, verse 40. Read this really closely, verse 40. And when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands, catch this church, on every one of them and healed them. Every single one. All of them. And I'm sure it wasn't a few. And he healed them. Now I've seen depictions and stories about this and about how Jesus was just because he was still all man when he went through something like this, he was just fatigued to no end. Spent on behalf of what God had called him to do. And I was reminded, church, we cannot grow weary of doing good. Now, if Jesus would have come out there and said, man, look at all the people that came. Um, I'm going to pick a dozen and I'm going to do something for them. Then all of a sudden, maybe we've been given the, the opportunity to pick and choose what we do. But when Scripture clearly teaches that Jesus touched every single one of them. Church, that's what we got to do. Be used of God to be willing to see every single person come to know Jesus. Jesus decides it's time to go, to part. The people said, don't go. That's verse 42. Jesus says, I must go. That's 442, because this is the purpose that I have been sent to fulfill. Now, I just want to remind us of that purpose that Jesus told us earlier in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 again. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. Jesus was clearly about his purpose. Are we about his purpose? 
Do we invite? Do we share? Do we tell? Do we teach? Do we recognize that everybody you see, everybody you see is under some form of spiritual battle? Whether they be a child of God fighting outside or whether they be not yet a child of God and they could be fighting outside or they could have challenges on the inside. Regardless, Jesus is the answer. It is Jesus who has the power. It is Jesus who has the authority. And it's my prayer that your pastor becomes more committed to sharing about that Jesus. And I bet you your pastor is going to then let that roll unto the church and challenge you and us to allow that to be more true in our lives too, that we share more about this Jesus. Amen? Amen.